seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode 203 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Jaquan Watson, and for 203 episodes, I'm hoping my main man, Brian Allen, still with me and not dying in the 110-degree heat in Texas. I was going to say, don't tell ERCOT. I'm supposed to be conserving electricity. <laughs> man, don't let I them don't, know we're podcasting. I don't even know how, dog. Like, man, I ain't going to lie. Like I told you, I knew after living up here more than three years, I was going to be soft. Like, I, like... It gets to be like 90 the one time out of the year. And I'm just like, damn, it's hot. You know, like, hell, it even hit 90 there. I think it hit 85. And I was already like, oh, it's starting to get warm. And I'm like, man, I would die in 115 or whatever some place has been dealing with down there. And, and what's crazy is we had a cold front this week that brought it back to the 90s. And legitimately, it's gotten so bad now that I actually feel the difference between 90 and 100. Like, oh, yeah, it is cooler. Dude. It's almost balmy today. <laughs> No lie. I remember that summer where we had whatever it was, like 80 days in a row or whatever, 100 plus degree temperatures. And then it came down to like 92 and it actually felt good. <laughs> you know, like, I was yeah, like, it's yeah. but yeah, that's what happened this week. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, I do not wish that on anybody. So if y'all are dealing with the heat, seriously, take care of yourselves. Hydrate. Summer ain't over for a lot of y'all. So you know what's that story about the frog you know you just put the frog in the boiling water and just keep cranking the yeah, it gets boiled the, and... the slow boiling so they don't notice it right, right. yeah also if y'all are listening to the show wherever you're listening to the show at go give us a review give us a little four star five star whatever it is that they have on that site and then you know be sure write a review that even works even better just be three or four sentences like these dudes are great they're covering great topics. If you want to stay touched on gaming for more than just strategy, you should check these guys out. Whatever it is, whatever you listen to us, let the world know, because that actually helps us when people go searching for magic-related or gaming-related podcasts. That could help us out quite a bit. And uh, they're I'll, handsome. Well, yeah, we are. I, you know, we got we got faces made for radio, so, you know, we, we, could, we could live on that for a little bit. But yeah, if you also want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic. And just leave us a couple bucks. That helps us out a lot. Really does. Helps us buy new equipment, you know, take care of things on the website, costs, stuff like that. And you can get a shout out just like Stephen Hines. So thank you, Stephen, for being a supporter. You can also check us out over at colorofmtg.com slash shop if you want to pick up some merchandise. And I'm going to try to add some stuff over there because we have all those rolls coming out for Eldrain. So I have somebody I'm working with to get some roll tokens made. So we'll see. I'm hoping those will be done pretty quick, and then I can figure out how to start shipping those out. So keep an eye on that. But also want to give a shout-out to our sponsor before we get into the rest of the show. Pay some love to our friends over at CoolStuffInc.com. They are supporters of the show. They support a lot of up-and-coming creators. And honestly, they're really nice people. I got to hang out with them when I went down to Florida for a Command Fest not that long ago. And they honestly have a lot of stuff available on their websites, whether you play Magic or even Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or D&D or whatever, like board games. They have a ton of stuff and you can save 5% on whatever you buy there if you just use code DRAGON. So you'll be supporting us and saving yourself some money. But all right, let's hop into the soapbox because, man, we have some things to talk about. 
all right, this one, this one is both what I would say is a something on a professional thing with just our industry, as well as a personal thing. And and I and I feel like I can speak on this because I have run small conventions of my own. Now they, now they weren't huge. I think our we topped out at like it told like a thousand attendees or whatever. But like I can handle it. I've worked some of the big ones. You know, I I kind of know the inner workings of a few of these. I know other people that have run mid-sized conventions. But one of the issues we have right now, and it, and I bring this up because we're kind of coming to the back end of convention season. You know, we've done all the big ones. Uh, except for I think there's still packs coming up this weekend and, you know, some Command Fest and some other stuff down the road. Uh, I think uh, there's still a, a TwitchCon, I think, and something else. But most of the major gaming ones are, have have passed. But one of the things that's been consistent is if you are what we'll consider celebrity status, right? Like you're a big name, more people would know that aren't necessarily even full industry people. They will often get their stuff completely comped for the show, right? They'll they'll give you, obviously you get a badge for getting in, but usually give them some type of awesome welcome package. They get their hotel, their airfare, whatever. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you have to go through a lot of these agencies or their, their uh, I won't say handlers, but their managers or whatever anyway to set everything up. So there's, there's a different set of rules that they operate by. But you do get a lot of promotion and even some attendance, some signups or whatever, because of like that mid-tier celebrity you're inviting in. And these could be people that are local cosplayers. They might be creators that you have coming in to help with a thing or, or MC an event or whatever. Could be local area artists, whatever. A lot of these conventions don't want to pay for these people. Like, I will tell you right now, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but I will tell you, there's one I'm talking to right now that they want me to show up to a thing. And and I and admit it, they don't even have to pay travel expenses because it's not far enough away that I can't get there. Driving a few hours is not a big deal for me. You know, being formerly Texan, that's fine. They're not even having to pay for that. Like, I'm covering gas. They are wanting, and I will tell you what they're asking for. And this is not just this event. I've seen this from other stuff. But they are asking you to promote the event leading up to it, usually like a month to two months out, which totally fair. That's usually part of the deal with a lot of these, right? If you're, you're going to be promoted as being a guest, they're asking an exchange, you help promote their event. Great. They also would like for you to be at the event for the full weekend, which is fine. Again, part of the deal. Participate in a couple of specific events or help MC organize, operate, run a couple of things. Fair. They usually will have something like some type of special event tickets or reward prizes or whatever that, you know, they little trinkets they want you to hand out from interacting with people, whatever, just to build for the experience of the attendees. I got no problem with this. But at the end of the day, when you're saying, all right, we're going to give you a weekend pass. And it's not even like the best weekend pass. It's the minimum weekend pass. You just get in for being part of the show, being a creator, or in my case, but you know, if you're a cosplayer, writer, whatever. I don't understand that. Because you're telling me, as, using myself as an example, because I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn for other people, even though I have spoken to a lot of other creators and personalities about this, but you're asking us to show up 
to give you our time for a weekend to do specific things at your event that you believe help make your event better and more memorable, to promote your event for some 30 to 60 days prior to the event on our social feeds, right? So we're clogging our feed, doing other things or whatever to make sure we're helping keep up our end of the arrangement. And in exchange, we're getting often the equivalent of some 40 to $60 weekend pass. That's it. Like, no appearance fee, no travel expenses, no food, no hotel room. That's it. And that's the norm for how some of these conventions like to operate. And I've also spoken with some of these convention operators, organizers, and they've wondered why they can't get certain people to show up to their shows or why they're getting like a bad rap with some people or whatever. I don't know why this uh, well-known creator won't show up for two francs and uh, not even a bus token. Yeah, it's barely the equivalent of that, you know? And the trade-off is there are people in the industry that take very good... Matter of fact, Cool Stuff Inc., you know, I was going to say hashtag not sponsored, but hashtag very sponsored, right? Mm -hmm. But before they were sponsors, I went to their command fest, and dude, they took care of us. Like dare I say, better than almost anybody else I've ever worked with for a thing. Like, they had a little VIP room for uh, that was open to their VIP people and to all the guests that they had and, like, hooked it up with food and refreshments. It's like all weekend, right? They they took care of us. They gave us a nice kit that had, like, some play mats, some cards, some other stuff in it. Like, even though they were already taking care of us to be there, they're like, hey, we still want you to go home with something. And then, and then after the show... A couple weeks later, I got a letter in the mail with like a little nice card that said, hey, thanks for showing up to the show. We really appreciated you being here. You know what? I'm like, they even went the extra mile. So if I'm given a choice, let's say Cool Stuff Inc. or somebody else on the same weekend. Well, yeah. Who do you think I'm going to go work for? Like I literally and dude, I told you I went to that show. I was tired. I flew a red eye to get in there. And I gave them every bit of time they wanted. And I did extra. Because you know why? Because they were taking care of us. But if I were to show up to a show, and, and I say that, like I try to be, you know, hold up my end of a bargain. But it's going to be real hard if you're not paying me or taking care of me for nothing. And you're like, hey, is there any chance you'd be able to help out with this? Or, hey, we need some people over here. Or, oh, man, we need one more person for, like, what's my motivation really going to be, you know? <laughs> And I'm not saying it to be mean or be pompous or be arrogant, but like you're already not paying. Like one of these shows, and I was talking talking to my significant other about this. Like one of these shows, I actually had the thought of, I almost want to go on my own dime, almost as like thumbing my nose at them to just be like, see, I'm here anyway, and I don't even have to waste my time doing all the stuff you want to do, and I'm gonna have an even better time. But if you'd have just Paid me anything reasonable. I'm not even asking for like a lot. Like, cover my hotel room. You'd have got all types of extra work and promotion out of me. Right? And it still would be way cheaper than what you would pay for that anyway. So, like, but this is a thing we don't talk a lot about, you know, in the industry. I think nobody wants to look bad. Nobody wants to call anybody out. Nobody wants to make a faux pas. And I get it, right? You don't want to hurt other opportunities. That's why even for me, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I'm not saying what events they are. I'm not saying who they are in the past I've worked with or not. But making it known that this is very common. So when you see creators saying like, 
well, I would go, but they want me to do all this, but they don't want to give me anything. Like, that's not them being greedy. That's just being realistic. Yeah, I mean, gas ain't free. Like you say, hotels ain't free. Well, yeah, and and if, you, if you may have to fly, right? That's going to be yeah. a three, four, five hundred dollar ticket, depending on where you're flying from, right? And it's the time, like, yeah, because you mentioned you like you could any of us could be somewhere else. There are multiple conventions, there are multiple events. In in my case, I in addition to whatever I do, you know, content wise, I do theater and, and stand up and yeah, I could be, you know, any number of places. So if I'm choosing to be at your event, I'm not choosing to be someplace else. Well, but that's exactly it. That other thing is also going to be possibly making you money. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, so if I go again, using myself as an example, but if I go to one of these events where they're not paying me anything, I have to hope beyond hope that I'm getting enough reach recognition whatever out of this to make up some amount of time or money that i'm not getting at home working on a piece of content or researching a thing or reaching out to a brand to sign a new deal or whatever right i'm giving up a whole three days plus because there's travel time to and from for a lot of these so sometimes equivalent of four days that i'm not getting anything for but we're in control of all of our time to make money as creators Right. It's not like a job where like we're on salary. <laughs> like if, if we don't work, we don't make money. Right. That's kind of how it works. I once had somebody, you know, that been working uh, to do a stab longer than I had say, hey, once you've once you've crossed that threshold where they pay you. Yeah. Don't ever do it for free again. Yeah. <laughs> you have you have crossed into a different tier. That's exactly it. And, and it's tough because I want to see more of these shows do well and I want to see more of these shows grow. And I would love to see more shows working with more creators and whatever. But if you don't even have budgeted for hell, a lot of these guys get deals on hotel rooms anyway, because you're getting a whole room block and usually booking for your staff, whatever you can get rooms in like the 90 ish dollar range or whatever for the night, sometimes less depending on where it's at. But like, if you're not budgeting at least two or $300 for just a couple of nights of hotel for a guest, why are they going to want to work with the show? Now, don't get me wrong. If it's just they're local and they're in your backyard and their travel to and from the show is 15 minutes across town, like, yeah, that's a whole different thing. And I've done one of those. I did one last year where they were literally 20 minutes from me. So, like, yeah, that's not even a thing. You know, I literally woke up, drove out there, did the thing, did a little bit of extra work for them. They hooked me up with a little bit of stuff, but, like, I wasn't upset over it because I'm not losing a lot of time. You know what I mean? I'm in I, Dallas. Nothing is 15 minutes away. Well, Dallas that's, that's is an fair. hour away from Dallas. <laughs> that's fair. If you're in the wrong suburb, that could be 45 minutes to an hour. Like, that's that's real. I get to some extent, the same applies to New York and L.A. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it's just one of those things. Like, if you're working with anybody on these conventions or events, like, just make them aware that, like, hey, we should probably pay some folks. We should probably take care of these guys. Like your event will be bigger and you will get more press, more play just by giving up that little bit. Like I'd almost guarantee. Well, I know. So when I've promoted events, I've had people specifically say that they showed up or bought tickets because they knew I was going to be there. And actually on a side note, before I get off this, I'm, I swear I'm not going to rant on this the whole show, but there almost every event now has some higher tier ticket, right? And it's usually either, you get into the show exhibit floor early or 
you know, in the case of Magic Fest, you or you get like the the Lotus package that has like extra packs and boxes or whatever, or you know, you get to get in for the artist signings early or whatever. There's always something. Why not make sure your guests get that highest tier? Because hear me out, right? Like, one, they're already doing a lot for you, and it doesn't cost you that much to just give them that. Especially if they're going to be on, like, you know, panels on your thing, doing speech engagements or whatever, right? Like, that seems like you should give them a little extra. And there's a real chance you get more, I guess we'll call them civilians, that will sign up for your events or your higher tickets because they might run into all these other people. Right. So now all these people you promoted, they can be like, oh, well, if they're going to be at this after party or they're going to be in this VIP room or they're going to be in on the exhibit hall show floor early, then like I can go run in and meet them or maybe we could plan a time to just chat or whatever. And now it becomes a more exciting thing that they might shell out that extra hell in some cases, an extra couple hundred dollars for the for that extra ticket. Right. Largely offsetting what it would even cost you to pay for their hotel room now, right? That, that you didn't want to pay for before. So I don't know. It, it's just, and like I said, this isn't just a magic thing. This isn't just a gaming thing. Like I've I've talked to people throughout multiple different industries, and well, I say that it is largely a gaming thing. Actually, that is probably true. I don't think I've heard this so much for people outside of gaming. So this is very much a gaming thing. But both digital and tabletop gaming, I've heard it for. And I just don't understand why. Because again, having done it, having paid for people, it's not that expensive. And you will still make all, if not more money, I would say more almost every time, if you have those people involved in promoting your events. So we should just do it. Believe me, I want to work more of these events and I want to be more involved and I would love to get more exposure and help build the industry. But if you're asking me to do all that on my own dime to help you put more money in your pocket, then like I should just stay home and put money in my pocket. It doesn't really make sense otherwise. But all right, let me hand this off to you, Brian, because I hear you've got something else that's also crazy. Yeah, in the year of our Lord, uh, 2023, Dequad, how much did you expect to pay for Red Dead Redemption? Like a new the one? First one. The, the, no, the first Red Dead Redemption. Man, I don't know, like, Somewhere between ten and twenty dollars, maybe. Well, Rockstar says you'd like to buy it on PlayStation Four and Switch. How about fifty? We gonna need fifty dollars. <laughs> like, is it a? I'm assuming it, it's like a remastered something. It's not even a remaster. It's a straight port. Which it'd be the first time it's been on Switch, I believe. But yeah, PlayStation Four. You probably have all. If you really were fired up about playing it, no pun intended, you would have already bought that probably on PlayStation Four. It's not a remaster. It's just a port. So they literally just took their game from hell. I don't know. Twenty ten, I believe. Yeah, I was gonna say, wasn't that like? I was about to say twenty twelve. Twenty ten could be right. So they want to take a ten year old plus game. And then straight up still charge people fifty dollars. And I, that and, that's crazy to me. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't even have multiplayer packaged in anymore. That's the thing, you know. It, that's one of the reasons Grand Theft Auto Six hadn't even been announced or probably even thought about yet because people are still playing the crap out of out of the, the GTA Five online. But yeah, okay. So, this, so I understand you correctly. 
They are launching, relaunching the old game. They took options away. Right. And, and they're they still charging you $50. I, I can't. I can't. I'm pretty sure I got that on my Xbox for, again, 9 or $10 when it went on sale because the game's more than a decade old. Yeah, I can't. And after, like- after they announced this and everybody's like, what are you even talking about? Their CEO, uh, Strauss, he says, no, no, we, we did that because we feel it's a really good value. We feel you're high. No, it's not a good value. But here's my thing. Like, if you if you go into, I don't know, a GameStop, because those actually still exist, mm-hmm. like you can get the original, I'm pretty sure, for like $12 or $14.99. And probably get it packaged with some of the DLC also. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, how is this a deal? I don't understand. Like, I get maybe you're like, hey, we're going to be on Switch for the first time, whatever. But, like... Make it 20 bucks. People would have probably played like if you honestly up to about $25. I think at 25, people are a little more frustrated, but they would probably pay it without raising hell. 20 and lower for sure. If you came in at like 15 to 20 bucks, I think people pay it. Don't ask questions. Yeah, 20 bucks is you're like, hey, again, for what you even though it's an old game, it's a very well done game. If you like Western themed games, that's one of the few genres that they're just isn't overrepresented and done to death. Like, for example, zombie shooters or, you yeah. know, now you can almost say deck builders. We're, we're seeing a new deck builder of some kind drop almost every day. Man, yeah. dude, I just can't. $50. Like, $50 is almost a new game because all the new games are 50 right? 70 anyway. So it's like, yeah. I, uh, yeah, that's just, I, honestly, and now I'm trying to like justify it in my head of like, what's the dumbest price you could have charged? But like, even at like 35, it's at least significantly lower enough than a new game that it's not like immediately mentally painful. You know what I mean? Like, but at 50, you just look and I go like, why, why would I not just wait and buy a new game? I want. Yeah, I checked my Microsoft account. You could actually buy Red Dead Redemption via backer compatibility on Xbox series X or S for 30 bucks. And that has all the DLC, multiplayer, and everything, basically, for 30 bucks. So what you're saying is, indeed, $49.99 is actually not a deal. No. No (laughs) way, shape. I guess if you just have to have it on Switch would be the only way. I get, And you're still getting ripped off. It's just if the only console you own is a Switch, this would be the only way you could play it. Yeah, that's hike, man. I could see. I guess if if you just say, "Hey, we're gonna gouge everybody on Switch," okay, fine, gouge everybody on Switch. PS4, I don't understand. But here's the thing: you just said, like, for thirty dollars, you can have the same game with all the extra content, yeah, and be able to play it online with people. Or you could pay fifty dollars, have none of the extra, right? and you don't get to play online with people. Like, that's terrible. I, I guess somewhere, so somebody in their accounting department has told them they can get away with this. And I I guess we'll see what, what the sales are. Because, yeah, Switch, obviously, they don't have a choice. I get that. PS4, mind-blowing to me that, that they were charged that for it. Yeah, I'm, I would not be surprised if by the end of September you see that price coming down. I hope so. Or if it comes out and it just doesn't sell. Surely by Christmas we'll have seen a drop on it. 
Yeah, because I'm thinking like so many new games are in that fifty, sixty, seventy dollar range. Exactly. Why? Why would they buy it? Well, at this point, a thirteen year old game, not even a ten year old yeah. game. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, why wouldn't you just wait a month and play, you know, Spider-Man 2 or Super Mario, exactly. unless you just maybe don't even, I probably just something better, better. You could, Great game from 10 plus years ago. But still, it's, as I said, I guess somebody somewhere told them they could get away with it and they're just going to, until you, you've tried the, the, the theft, I guess, you don't know. Or maybe they do. Maybe they've done because they did a Grand Theft Auto port a little while ago, and there were a bunch of complaints. But I guess they made enough money to where they said, "Hey, let's try it again with, with you know, Grand Theft Horse," as Red Dead Redemption is often referred to. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with that. But let's talk about some other interesting things here because we actually have some kind of surprising stuff in the "What Did We Learn?" So, what do you got for me? Yeah, uh, Madden has launched, and you know, you hear every year some multiple people think that their Madden rating is too low. Always people are like, no, you should have made me faster, should have done this, should have done that. Found out that the only person in anybody from the Madden staff can remember actually saying, no, you, you're, my rating is actually too high, is Dallas Cowboys legend and leading rusher in NFL history, Emmitt Smith. And, you know, it just we, we talked about this before the show. That is the most Emmett Smith move ever. I mean, he really is the definition of legend, right? When you're yeah. talking about professionalism, you know, that whole typical, like, first in the gym, last out, like, take care of your teammates, all that. Well, there's stories where every time he won the rushing title, he bought, like, a gift for everybody in his offensive line. He's one of the dudes that started that, where you think, like, first year was, like, Rolexes, and then he bought, like, a vacation for all their families and – you know, so like the dude never once was walking around like he's the best running back. He's like, no, I only was able to do this because of all of y'all. So I don't want y'all to go unrecognized, right? Hell, the craziest not- thing, I think it was his retirement speech where he literally listed every single guy who ever blocked for him in his career, which is crazy. Because, dude, some of the names he was pulling out, some of those dudes I might have been there for like half a season. Right. <laughs> like, seriously, like, dudes, he said a name and I'm like, when was he on the team? Right. Like, totally forgot. Right. So just class act all the way. So that does not surprise me. And you're a lifelong fan. So if you forgot him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that shows you how much he cared. Right. He said, right. I want to make sure every single guy that accounted for one of these yards has their name mentioned. And like, that's cool. So it doesn't surprise me that he went to Madden and was like, hey, I know y'all probably he probably like, hey, y'all rated me like a. 95 or 96 because I, I was a rushing leader this year but really i'm probably closer to like a 92 because without like this guy this guy this guy like i wouldn't have got those yards right and again leading rusher in the history of the nfl and the way the game is being played now that that record may never be broken well not just that it took him a long time too yeah because wasn't it like hell i want to say like 11 seasons or something Yep. Where I think all but the last two, he had over a thousand. And even then, those were like 900 yard seasons, I think. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's a lot of work, man. We, we're just not seeing running backs have those kind of careers anymore. We, and, and like you say, you got to have a good offensive line. You probably will. When will you see somebody play with largely the same offensive line for a five or six year span? You, you may not ever see that again. Yeah. For people who, who don't follow NFL, like, there was a period, I believe, up until like, was it 99 or 2000 where 
you didn't have the hard salary cap rules stuff that they had that they have now with those bargaining agreements. So you had teams that could just keep signing people and just pay more money. So some teams literally had at any given time, like hell, especially when you're talking about like the 49ers and the Cowboys or whatever that era, they ended up with like eight or nine hall of famers on one team. You know, that ain't never going to happen again under the current rules and the setup. Also, because of, you know, how how dangerous that we now know it is to play NFL football, we're seeing people like Andrew Luck, who are still in the prime of their career, going, now nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm not going to play anymore. Hell, we had what's-his-name middle of the game. It was like halftime. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm out to my retirement. Or whatever, like, in the mind, right? like, what? I mean, you're allowed to do that. It was just out of the blue. Yeah, it's just. Just like, yeah, coach, I'm good. Won't be out for the second half. I'm going home. Like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, man. M- Emmett Smith, class act for sure. So, yeah, one of the things I, w- I wanted to mention is this is something I found out through like just discussing stuff with different people, reading different uh, social media things. But apparently, it's not uncommon for people to just buy a game strictly because of hype, somehow not knowing anything about it. And that in and of itself isn't totally crazy to me. But we live in a world where, like, if you just want to know anything about anything you want to purchase, it's usually no more than two clicks away. Right. So, like, there's no reason to go buy a game and then be mad that it plays in a way that you didn't know. Not only are there reviews, there are guides. I mean, every... As somebody you know, that, that writes game thick pieces and columns and things, if you want to know why this character's hair is blonde instead of red, somebody's written that column. Anything you want to know. Well, even beyond that, like, this is even worse because Baldur's Gate is the third in a trilogy. So it's not like you don't know about the company or the history of the game or whatever, right? Even that's out there. But then I saw stuff like people saying, oh, well... The combat's weird because it's all turn-based instead of being, like, live-action combat. And it's like, but that's exactly how D&D works as a game. Like, and this is based on D&D. So why would you think it would be different? And, again, there's people you can literally just watch play it. And there's footage. Like, with Baldur's Gate, it's so damn popular. There's footage on day one everywhere. So it's like a little weird. And then I was like, you had to have known that. But then you find out like, oh, well, my friends were talking about this. So I just picked it up or I knew this was going to be the next next big thing. So I just bought it so I can make content on it or whatever. And it's just like, but you should at least know what you're getting into. Because like, it'd be one thing if you said, you know, I actually like the game, but I wasn't that big on the turn-based combat. I thought I was going to come around to enjoy it, but it's just not my jam or whatever. Cool. But to just be mad at the game. Because like this game's garbage. I don't know why they want this stupid combat system and but like because it's D and D for a franchise that is what thirty years old or something like that. exactly like. But I but apparently that's a thing for a lot of people. They will literally just go, oh, this is gonna be the next big thing. I know my friends are playing it, or I know people are gonna be talking about this. Like I just want to play it and have it. I mean, one of the recent games that came out, it was either late this year, early this year, or late last year. But I looked at it and just went, man, this game has the difficulty set so high and there's really no way to scale it back that like, 
I'm just not even going to bother because I know I'm not going to put the time in to even get far enough into the game to enjoy it. So, yeah, and it was a popular one. I remember seeing people talk about it and whatever, but it's like, yeah, I'm just never going to play it because I just did the five minutes of work and went, yeah. yep, probably not for me. Now, if they had a simpler mode to play it so I could just casually get through it and enjoy the story, then I probably would have. But it's not, so I didn't play it. And I'm not going to go around and gripe about the game. Like, I don't know why this is both. Like, it obviously still did very well. Hell, even in the case of Baldur's Gate, they are literally doing like eight times plus the numbers they thought they were going to do in sales, live players, time played on the game, replays, people are going in and playing it. Like, so while you don't like it, the game's actually doing damn well exceedingly well honestly by every metric please tell square how you're doing that because they can't seem to figure out how to how to get the numbers they want on any of their games apparently i mean yeah baldur's gate is just crushing it literally by by every measure and like i said they had more people play the game in weeks two and three even than in release week so that means people played it then told their friends about it. And my guess is a lot of people found out it had decent multiplayer. So then more people went out and got it and played it. So credit to them. Because Larian Studios is not a big studio at all. I believe they they're this is at least five times bigger than their last big hit of a game. So yeah, they're out kicking their coverage big time here and seem to be managing it pretty well. I mean, it's pretty hard to do because you're getting hit from all sides with good, bad reviews and whatever. But and obviously they probably have much more stress on their servers and everything else than they anticipated. But yeah, making it work. So good on them. But yeah, let's uh, race through some topics here because we have a lot of things, but they're not major, but things we should probably touch on. You know, one quick thing I wanted to bring up, Brian, is that we've talked about the unsets on the show before. And they're kind of goofy, kind of out in left field, but they do feel fill a need for a small niche of players. And that's fine, right? You want to cater to different people at different times. The issue, though, is that in my experience at the retail level, I always saw like at best one in 30 customers or something that would say they actually truly liked the unsets. And the rest, I would say you know, the overwhelming majority just didn't even want to buy it at all. You get one or two that maybe were chasing like the quirky lands or whatever they put in there that are kind of like the hot chase thing to help it sell. So I'd say, you know, there's maybe of that same, we'll say 30 people, probably 10 to 12, were at least going to play the lottery, try to try their hand at it a few times, but the rest just ignored it. So you end up with a product that sits around a long time and you know, doesn't really appeal to people because even the people who like it, once they get a box or they play a few games with some of the cards, like the newness and the quirkiness is kind of worn off. Like the inside jokes aren't as funny anymore. So it's like they it's a one and done thing for a lot of people. But then this started for some reason popped up this week on social media, particularly on Twitter, because it's still Twitter.com. F you Elon in this X business. <laughs> but it was interesting to see the discussion that was happening because it was almost the same ratio. I think you had one or two people that said like, oh man, I really love the unsets or whatever. And then the next 30 were just, here are all the reasons I don't like the unsets. 
or why I ignore them or whatever. Because I think there's also a lot of people that don't necessarily hate them, but they kind of just go like, yeah, I don't really get it, but I've never cared for them. Right. And they're just ignoring them. And then it kind of brings the question of like, why would somebody like Wizards want to make those? But the reality is, well, maybe you're just throwing R&D a bone and just like, hey, I know there's crazy things y'all want to do that we never get to do. So here's a project that like once every, I don't know, five years or something, you can make this weird thing. And they won't make a lot of money on it, but they're also printing a lot less. So there's a low risk to it. But I bet you it still generates a couple million dollars worth of set. Now, it's not going to do the... I don't know, 10 to 20 million or whatever the good sets will do. But I mean, hell, even if you make a couple million, you at least turned a profit on pretty much a vanity project type thing, you know? But I don't know. How do you feel about them, Brian? Because like I really, again, outside of like the key chase cards, I haven't been excited about them. I've never bought a single (laughs) odd card. Not a pack. I just never, because I I never, like you mentioned, I never had a play group that was even remote. Well, there, there, there's actually a group in Shreveport, and there were a lot of younger kids in that group, and I wasn't playing Magic then. But but yeah, now that I've been in Magic for, I guess, oof, 10, 12 years now, I just don't have anybody I play with that is ever really excited about it. Yeah, and I think that's also the issue, right? It's not even a thing that you have to enjoy. I think you have to have other people around you or in your play yeah. group or whatever that also enjoy it. Because like... If you get the cards and you like them, but your group doesn't like the cards, well, you playing with them is just not going to go over well, right? Even if they allow you to, you know you're not enhancing their enjoyment of the game by those cards existing. So you're probably not even going to want to do it. So then that creates a whole different barrier. So, like, and it's weird because part of me is like, I don't want that to never exist. Because, again, there are some people that enjoy it. But I almost feel like, could we start doing quirky things in other venues like we have like gavin does his uh what is it like unknown event or whatever he does at command fest and those sell out they do very well and it's a bunch of quirky cards and weird play test things or whatever that you just get to play a weird version of magic and it adds to the command fest and it gives people a reason to show up and cool you could do something like that in a in a secret layer if you wanted to right make some weird quirky subset or whatever and just sell it for Hell, I mean, we sell $150 for these these uh, command decks. So, I mean, make it 50 to 100 cards and just sell it for $100, And Sell it through Secret Lair. The people who wanted to pick it up, they have the completionists to still go out and buy it. But you don't have to take up all the space with retailers. People who make, I mean, and to be fair, they don't know how much they need to buy or not, or people are going to enjoy it or not. So they get stuck with product that they can't use that money because it's tied up to buy other things. So, like, I, I just don't know if there's enough positives, especially now that we've explored a lot of space with them and we've recently moved to, you know, they tried stickers and all this other stuff that people ended up not liking. It's a tough it's a tough thing, man, because I think you want to take care of that part of the community. But I just don't know if unsets are the way to do that anymore. I think now that we have other ways to do that, we don't have to waste the time and the space, the resources on it. But. Yeah, it's just something I wanted to touch on because it was an interesting discussion that came up. But turns out a lot of people really aren't super fans. Uh, but like I said, there's a few people that were chiming in saying they did like it or whatever. But even some of the people said I liked this specific thing or I liked this unset, but not the others or whatever. 
and and so even with that, it's harder to hit the mark because the level of humor and what you're trying to chase down is so different. And even with the last one, they tried to institute rules that like, okay, well, some of these cards will be tournament legal, but most of them won't be. Or you can play these in Commander, but maybe not these. But even with that, we see almost none of them show up in competitive play. And even in Commander, where people are more lax, I think the only time I've seen is when somebody made a deck specifically around one of the mechanics and there needed those cards. But other than that, I mean, they're not even making an impact there. So that, to me, feels like maybe this last one is we've done a lot. We probably don't need to do any more for a while. But hey, I'm sure some people feel differently and want it. And that's fair. Everybody's entitled to that. Quick note. I don't know if you looked, Brian, but there is a gigantic secret layer up right now. A secret layer super drop. Because that's how we like talking about those over there. Do, do we like it? <laughs> is that how it do? I kind of like the term. Uh, but one of them has a lot. Like one of the, the drops within the super drop has 13 cards in it. So, like, Wizards is really trying some other stuff with these things right now. Now, and this has a weird theme. It looks like, if you scroll through it, that every one of them except for, I think, the two artist-related ones are some type of movie-style poster, band artwork, you know, 70s-themed event thing like sports cards, like they're, they're all kind of like this weird throwback entertainment sort of motif. So kind of cool. If you like that style of stuff, if you're into nostalgia looks, uh, card selections. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't think that's bad. They did do one that even has like VHS style covers for like sci-fi stuff, which is kind of funny. So yeah, they're trying different things, you know, credit for that. And but this that's sort of what secret layer should be, right? Like trying weird stuff, calling in new artists you don't normally get to see on magic things. And that I don't have a problem with. I know people are gonna sit there and go, ah, they're charging this much for these cards and this much, for, but ultimately it's not a retail product. If you're a super fan and you like that style, you like that artist, you want those cards, whatever, it's there for you. If you're not any of those things, you can literally ignore it. <laughs> right. And I've done that with several of them. So I don't know. I think it's cool. It's there for people that want it. But the more interesting thing to me is that this is the first time I've seen this, but it was labeled a secret layer fall super drop. And not that, but this other item got this label that you get baseball jerseys. Now, normally there are sites where you can buy magic apparel or paraphernalia. You can buy magic apparel at Command Fest and such. And this is being done through MTG Pro Shop, who has a licensing for Magic to produce all types of stuff. They've got hoodies. I think they've had jackets. They do long sleeve button ups. They do all, all types of stuff. But it's interesting. They have five baseball jerseys of the original five Planeswalkers. So a Johnny, Jace, Liliana, Chandra, Garrett. Done up in, I guess they've done the ideas, the Gatewatch are a sports team. And then they have a different color jersey for each of your favorite Planeswalkers. And it's got the uh, Planeswalkers last name on the back, like a baseball jersey. And then a little mana symbol on the front, the Gatewatch logo. And then 
you know, their their team number or whatever, right? So it looks like a baseball jersey if you don't know what it is. <laughs> but yeah. anybody who looks at it goes like, oh, that's cool. That's a magic thing, obviously. And I'm kind of into it, man. Yeah, that's cool. I, that's the thing I would wear. Yeah, like I'm admittedly a huge nerd, but I, I mean, we both. I, anybody I think that know, that knows who those people are probably falls into the huge nerd category. Well, yeah, it's kind of like I, I bought the uh, the there was a almost like a plaid button up shirt for Magic at the last in, in Minneapolis, I think the last Magic Con I went to. And I was like, man, this is cool because unless you're looking at it, you don't really recognize it as a magic shirt, right? Because it has like the little planeswalker symbols or whatever. So you kind of know, but if not, it just looks like a shirt and kind of the same thing with these jerseys. Like if you're not into sports ball, you're not going to recognize it's not a real team. It just looks like a nice baseball jersey. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of into these. I, I would love to see more stuff like this where you're making... I don't even know what the right term is because it's not like really lifestyle apparel or whatever, but just stuff that has the magic IP on it, but it's not just in your face magic, right? It's almost like if you pass another super fan or an engaged fan, there's the acknowledgement of like, oh man, nice shirt, right? But anybody else is going to go, ah, some baseball jersey. Right. Right. I'm, I'm into that. I'm into that. Now they are pricey, but not crazy compared to jersey prices, obviously. But you're going to pre-order for about $80 if you want one. But they're also, I'm guessing, because they're pre-order anything, probably going to be limited run. So, eh, you know, the price isn't crazy, actually. And nice jerseys will cost you way more than that if you're getting a top-end, well-done jersey. So $80 isn't crazy. But yeah, uh, over at MTG Pro Shop, you can put in pre-order. You can go to the site, just search Secret Layer Baseball Jerseys, and it should get you there. Or even just search on Google, and the page should come up for you. But cool, if you want to get one, I'm probably going to because I just think they're sweet. All right, here's something we've been fighting for, talking about, asking why it's not a thing. (laughs) And damn it, we finally won something, I feel like, with Call of Duty. They are introducing voice chat moderation. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, like this is one of those ones where it's very easy to look at them and go, I don't know what took you so long. I should have had this forever ago. The bad actors have already chased off a lot of your players. But the other side of that is, hey, at least they're coming around and they got there. Well, th- this is AI powered. I think what took so long for this is the technology for this probably didn't exist two years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. For this particular thing. No, I'm saying just moderating in general could have been a lot better in the time being. But, yeah, you're right. Totally here. This is going to be mostly AI pushed. But this is pretty big. Right. Because, well, let me just read what they posted here. But it says Call of Duty's new voice chat moderation system utilizes ToxMod, an AI powered voice chat moderation technology from Modulate, I guess is the company, to identify in real time and enforce against toxic speech. This includes hate speech, discriminatory language, harassment and more. This new development will bolster the ongoing moderation systems led by the Call of Duty anti-toxicity team, which I didn't know that was a thing. Cool to note that exists which includes text-based filtering across 14 languages for in-game text, chat, and usernames included, as well as robust in-game player reporting systems. And then there's a quote saying, you know, there's no place for disruptive behavior in our game, blah, blah, you know, typical stuff there by their uh, chief technology officer. But yeah, this is, this is cool. 
this is really cool. The the thing I'm looking at though is if this works for Call of Duty, because Call of Duty is obviously one of the industry leaders, right? Yeah, and if it, it, obviously if it works for them, they can just walk across the hall and talk to Overwatch and implement it over there. Yep, and that's the other thing. Right now, everything under their umbrella can have this, and then you get to start looking at other games and saying, okay, we know it works for Call of Duty, and we know the environment that Call of Duty has. If this still allows them to keep making money and people enjoy their game more, and hell, maybe even people like me come back to the game, then why doesn't everybody have it? League of Legends, cough, cough. <laughs> oh, dude, let me let me tell you. If they found a way to clean up League of Legends, I'd be back on it in a heartbeat. But literally, it was... I And I'm not even exaggerating. It was almost every game. Not quite, but almost every game. When I got done, I had to decide if it was worth wasting time to report somebody or not. Like, and that was enough for me after the last go round. I was like, yeah, I just don't have time for this. Like, I shouldn't even have that consideration. That should be the exception, not the norm. You know what I mean? You pretty much have to have to run your own full squad, I think. Yeah. And I was like, that's terrible. I don't I don't want to have to do that. So or, or well, I although I think that if you want to win, that's probably what you should be doing anyway. Oh, sure. No doubt. But I'm not on there trying to be super competitive. I just want to, like, goof around in the game, have some fun at the scrub levels, right? So I shouldn't have to have that experience. And, you know, I played other games. Because, an example, when I played, uh, well, I was going to say City or Heroes, but it became Champions Online, I met people through there just hopping in on teams to go do missions together. And then, like, we started playing regularly. And, like, oh, okay, now we became a little group, and that's cool. But... I'm not even going to be playing League of Legends enough to have that experience. Because <laughs> after the first interaction, I'm like, oh, there's already a couple knuckleheads here I'd not want to play mm-hmm. with again. So yeah, I-, I would love to see this implemented in more games. I'm actually excited about this existing. And I really, really hope it works. Because the upside is so good. You know what I mean? Like, rarely you see these things and go like, oh, that's a cool addition. But this feels like you're talking about cleaning up toxicity you know, making people's mental health better, making gaming environments more fun. Like this, this is exactly what you need. Like, and I hadn't even considered that this would be a good use for AI, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So credit over there to them. Hopefully the whole Call of Duty team, I guess their moderation team, I guess, which I didn't know was a thing. So this probably makes their life easy. So I don't, we'll probably have to do a follow-up and see what it looks like in about six months. But It'd be really cool to see this thing actually work. Man, this is like the third time we've talked about it, but remember those cards that got stolen at Gen Con? Yeah, like anybody could forget. Well, they've been found. Not now. Okay, first, I say it like it's news, but like once we saw these dudes on camera literally wearing a company shirt and not disguising themselves at all, we kind of knew it was just a matter of time, right? Anybody who thought, well, they still got to find them. I'm like, well, they don't have anywhere to hide. Like, you're literally on all the nerd feeds, all the nerd websites. The local convention center has you literally clear as day footage. That's exactly you. And you're going to have to try to do something with a pallet's worth of cards. So it's not like you can just hide those anywhere. There, I, I'm sure their eventual punishment will include banned from all conventions for life. Well, I'd assume... Well, maybe. I mean, there's nothing stopping you. 
from Bandai. I mean, you can't. Yeah, you can't load it back into Gen Con. No, no, no. I gotta say, Gen Con for sure, and related events are probably all going to be banned. But I wouldn't be surprised if even local places decide they don't want them in. Plus, I'm pretty sure they're going to go away for a little while. Three hundred thousand dollars worth of theft. Oh yeah, yeah. They're going away for a good minute. Like I, yeah. I mean, there may, you know, there's weird things too. Depends on you know with Allen and pastimes what they want to press as far as charges or whatever. You know, there's there's a lot of that stuff. So who knows? But I, I wonder is it just is it just up to them? Because again, the theft took place at somebody else's event. You know, that is a good question to bring up because the jurisdiction could be a little different. Now, they are both located in the state of Indiana. So whatever it is would be generally the same. But you're right, because it's at an event, it could be under Gen Con's discretion to make that decision. And also, they said they coordinated with the New York State Police. There's no way New York lets anybody steal $300,000 worth of stuff. And I guess, because now it's interstate commerce. I'm assuming these guys must have at some point yeah, either they, live in New York or traveled to New York. It's like, yeah, there's no way. New York ain't letting them skate. <laughs> that was the part of the story I was wondering. And my guess is they probably drove to the event. Yeah. And just put it in, I don't know, put it all in the back of an SUV or something and then drove it back to to New York. In, but, in the in a post 9-11 world, there's no way New York lets anybody bring almost <laughs> almost a half a million dollars worth of stolen product across state lines and doesn't file multiple charges. Oh, yeah, that's likely going to be a thing. And, you know, the report is most of the product was found. It sounds like if not all of it, close to all of it and is being returned back to Indiana. It did say it will be held for evidence temporarily, so I don't know how long temporary is. I don't know if it's some special rule that it has to be there so long till the trial starts or whatever, but it at least has been recovered. Now, there are a lot of inconveniences with that because events can't be done with it. Pastimes isn't getting yeah. to sell it, make money on it. Like I'm sure they have insurance on a theft that big, so there's probably some resolution. But yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because this also shows one of the things I I've talked about before. You know, when people go and try to make these big thefts or heists or whatever, you also got to have an exit strategy, right? Here we are now, a full month plus past the event, and they're still holding on to product. This is the definition of the old South Park skit of phase one: we steal underpants. Phase three profit. Hey guys, what's phase two? Phase one, we steal underpants. <laughs> phase three profit. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's not quite a month, but close to it. But yeah. but it still brings up the point though that this is one of the things we talked about, right? You the they were not going to be able to take that much product and just magically start selling it. Exactly. Any good thief will tell it. Now, again, now that we're trying to give tips on theft, but just from you know my experience covering crime. Any thief will tell you, before you steal it, you got to know where you're going to fence it. Well, of course, because like we said, if, if Pastime even puts up a thing on eBay and says like, hey, can y'all flag any of the accounts that are selling X amount of this product that don't normally sell this much volume or whatever? Right. Like, sure, they would identify that in the first couple of days, right? You can't take it to local stores and sell it. Because mm -mm. they're going to be like, how does this dude have like three cases of this thing or whatever? They're just selling it wholesale, right? That's weird, right? You can't just sell it to other people in your area because they will probably know that you're not bankrolled to have that kind of product. So it's weird. Especially since, 
your pictures have been out there. Everybody knows who you are. Yeah. So, like, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Right. It'd what be one thing if if you just were able to steal a bunch of something that's illegal, like cocaine. You can just you can unload that on the street corner. This is a legal product that must be sold to people who, in theory, are going to use it to do something that's perfectly legal. You can't. It's just. You can't hawk this off the street corners. Yeah. And and like I said, I was glad that they took a pallet because it makes it easier to catch them. Because like I said, if they'd have taken a couple of cases each, it would have still sucked, but nobody probably even would have immediately known. Hell, people might even know, hey, well, maybe we didn't pack it all back at home yeah. base before we shipped it, or maybe somebody in the room took the wrong thing off the wrong pallet, and we'll see it later over the weekend, whatever, right? Nobody yeah, would have had a case. Night. You got no way of knowing you didn't lose it before you got to jail. Hell, even on camera, you just walking around with a couple of cases of product could be anything. Yeah. Nobody's going to ask questions, right? But you take a whole ass pallet of something, damn right, somebody's going to notice. You became one of the leading news stories on every geek related site in existence. Yep, serves them right. But hey, at least they were found. Product is being returned to the rightful owner. I mean, opportunity for them to sell a lot of it has passed, so that kind of sucks for them. So I, I don't know financially what this is going to amount to, or even maybe they even add that to the charges, right? Because they yeah. took it. There's a loss of this much business or whatever because of it, if they can reasonably prove that. So, I mean, it's honestly, these dudes could end up going to court over anywhere between, if I were guessing, 300000 to $500,000 involved in and and on top of that you know legal fees blah blah whatever yep. so yeah this you done messed up aa ron <laughs> yeah <laughs> like for real like this this is a bad one oh man and again transport to get across state lines yep but let's talk about something here on the dinner table this is a a topic that's come up before and i figured it's something we should kind of talk about because People, obviously, everybody has different issues they care about and different things they want to talk about. And they've asked, like, why our show doesn't cover certain things. And I don't think it's necessarily just a straightforward answer. I think the baseline is everybody's going to value different problems and different issues on different levels, right? I was going to say, is there a specific? <laughs> well, they weren't being specific a about a particular okay. thing, but... You know, you, when people ask that type of stuff, it's literally like, well, I kind of want you to cover a certain thing, but I'm curious how y'all pick what you pick, you know, and that's just part of it, right? There's going to be things that affect us differently, and we'll talk about it, and some viewers or some listeners may not be that bothered by it like we are. Hell, that's kind of the reason we have the soapbox, right? Like, we can each pick a thing, and we can just put yeah. it on there that we know is a personal <laughs> thing, but other people won't care about. Yep. But it gives you perspective too, right? You or not even just not even other people. It's like if I got something that I know Daquan doesn't care anything about, or vice versa, it goes in the soapbox. Yeah, that's definitely happened on both sides. So yeah, that's a thing. The other thing is too, like we also have to measure that. Like if if it's a thing that we're not totally bothered by, it also becomes like, okay, do we have a rough idea of how many people it may affect? Right. Because there are some things that don't affect us particularly, but we do sometimes talk about them, especially if it's on the level of, you know, sexism, racism, you know, especially when we're talking about big companies that hell, you know, in the case of like the Activision Blizzard stuff where, you know, it was driving employees to suicide. Right. 
Like those are things that are worth talking about, even if they don't directly affect us. So it kind of just depends. You know, it could be the magnitude of the thing. It could be what we're going through ourselves at the time. And also, like we, for this, for example, was a week where there are some weeks where we're here on Wednesday, like Jesus Christ, what are we going to talk about? And then there are weeks where, you know, by by Saturday evening, I've got a full list of things. Daquan has a full list, and we and we got to cut it because despite what y'all say, we we're not going to try to just minutes to do a three and four hour podcast. This isn't a true crime serial. That's also true. Like we've had days where we've cut topics, we move some to future weeks, and then those have been have been moved another week, and eventually we're like, well, it's not even worth talking about it now. You know, just and hell, in some of those we've gone a hundred and we've gone an hour and thirty minutes on some, and still had to cut things on some. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's a tough thing. I don't think there's just like one right or wrong answer. I don't think there's just one set process. It just kind of depends on what it is and when it is. Because the other thing is too. We still have to balance out some of that with just general news, right? There's still, you know, we're talking about like the cards being stolen, I think is worth bringing up and talking about. Yeah. But like, because it was a story, we brought it up a couple of times, been all over all the nerd sites. Like, it's cool to give people an update. So you got to make a little bit of time to at least mention that. Or something like Call of Duty, like that is something we've harped on about just yeah. toxic levels of stuff. So like we need to talk about a company. I've, doing I've that. done YouTube videos on that where I have posted just some of the horrible things I've heard in overwatch chat. So yeah, that's kind of, that's something where it's, it's ongoing coverage that we want to keep bringing to you. But at the same time, you know, we still want to talk about like in this show, secret layer stuff and unsets or whatever, because those are things that still matter to our viewers. that aren't necessarily, what do I call like, gaming social issues but still enough that stuff people want to be aware of or things that give kind of a mindset of what the community's thinking or what's going on right it doesn't have to be a five alarm fire for us to want to talk about it like there's a lot right. of different levels there like today for example you know we, we have weeks where you know our soapbox is hey something terrible happened it could be something serious like you know sexual assault or racism this week it was you know we talked i talked about red dead redemption and Daquan talked about you know conventions not wanting to pay creators, although I guess that kind of almost does fall. It, that to me, I think, almost does rise to the level of a social issue because yeah, I, yeah, people just I see it as a comedian too. Or see, somebody once told me when they were paying me way more than I thought I should, who was going to ask for that, so many creators do not value themselves enough. So that became you know where I might not have thought that was an issue at the beginning. Yeah, I guess it kind of is <laughs> an important issue. Yep. And if they're and on that topic too, you know, not to derail this, but always go ahead and ask. Yeah. Right. Because rarely is somebody gonna say, Okay, sorry, we can't work with you. Unless your number's crazy, right? Like if yeah. if you're new and starting out and you know, let's say you're making YouTube videos and you're only getting a couple hundred views per video and somebody comes and wants to do it with you, and you're like, Well, I need five hundred dollars a video to do a promo for you. They'd be like, Yeah, sorry. Right. But if they're if they come along and you say, Hey, I'd like to do $100. And they're like, well, based on your numbers, we'd really feel more comfortable doing 50 or 75 But if it works and it goes well for us, maybe we'll do 100 on the next one, right? Rarely is somebody just going to say no, right? So at least put it out there within reason and see what they say. But yeah, I, there's just so much really all the time, and not even just in gaming, but just in the world. There are a lot of issues to talk about. And I mean, hell, we've, we're on 203 episodes of all types of topics to cover. And I think all but maybe 
less than a handful of episodes, even then we've covered some level of social thing in all those episodes. We did one or two maybe where it's just like set specific stuff or whatever, but most of them were covering something, right? And that says a lot, that there is just a lot going on in the world. So while we may not cover a particular issue, we at least try to cover at least a large enough spread of issues to not just give you a chance to hear about our opinions or our thoughts on a thing, but also to make people aware and create awareness around things they just may not have known existed. Well, all right, Brian, what's everybody? They can find you on the social media machines. All right, I am Brian Sonic on, I'm going to keep calling it Twitter too, <laughs> and uh, YouTube and Instagram. And you can find me everywhere at Power Dragon, P O W R D R A G N on most social platforms. If you're following me on the YouTubes, I have all types of stuff coming out, and we're going to be doing a lot with L Drain, so keep your eye out for that. Otherwise, just follow me on socials because I'm a good follow. But wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and remember to be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under color of magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.